Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Cape Town, a superhero podcast about superhero things. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Chris Youngblood. I'm Hannah Mazel. And Ryan Ham is out this week. He's at did he say he was at Trivia Night this week? Yes. With his kids? No, no. No, no I don't think the kids are. <laughs> no. Right? I really briefly, I did, this is, I'm showing that I didn't read the text. He sent us a text and all I saw was something about trivia and kids. No. no I was, it was really a, confused because I don't think his kids can really. It's, it's Parks and Rec. Oh, it's a Parks and Rec trivia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so the kids aren't really involved. I don't think unless, so. Unless he loves <laughs> Parks and Rec like a child, maybe. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> I don't know. Great. That sounds pretty funny. <laughs> It is already getting to the holiday season. I, I, didn't, I, I don't know. I think I believe that what Ryan said was that his his wife was extremely excited. Kate was very enthusiastic about this trivia night. He couldn't miss it, so we're letting it slide for the safety. Maybe there'd be like a night away from the kids. Is that maybe what I would? I'm, I'm... literally there was nothing mentioned about children. <laughs> I don't. I think you guys are. Nice. <laughs> There's something about kids in there. I'm not out of my. So. I'm not. I'm not going to check it because I know I'm. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Forget it. Anyway, he's not here uh, this week, but he so he is going to miss our conversation about Squirrel Girl, uh, which we'll be getting into in a little bit. Uh, but in the meantime, I guess we're going to talk a little bit about we're going to talk about news, I guess. But I don't know if this is news so much as just sort of um, what would you call this? We're reacting to reactions because. Yeah. You, the two biggest things that I think that really happened in comic book news this week are the two big movies coming out in December had their first round of critical reviews slash social media reviews come in. And I was a little surprised by both of them. And I think we'll start with Aquaman because all we have right now on Aquaman is uh, like tweets and Facebook posts about how people felt about Aquaman. We don't have the full... Uh, like verified critic reviews, but we do have some tweets and they're, they're pretty good because I, it sounds like people are kind of having a hard time describing their feelings about it. Oh yeah. Based on, are you seeing the same things? That Reading I'm, this is hilarious. These, these, <laughs> these, these reactions are like, they're so reluctant to say it wasn't good, but they're still not sure how they felt about it. Like they clearly didn't like love it that much. Right. It's not like a Wonder Woman no. thing where it's like, oh, this was a great movie. But here's a few words that are jumping out at me from these tweets. Buck wild, completely unafraid to just go for it. Unabashedly melodramatic and over the top with the largest, most ambitious sense of scale imaginable. I think those are both, those aren't negatives at least. No, but they're still not, like, it's not like a glowing review. We can't call it that, right? Probably. Right. It's like it's like a lot of superlatives. <laughs> yeah. Unapologetically bold superhero. It's a good adventure movie that acknowledges exactly what it is from the start. That's always feels like kind of a backhanded compliment. Like it's not trying to be very good. And on those terms, it almost is kind of good. I feel like I was looking for the word campy throughout all these and I found it on a few. Yeah. It just like I that was what I was expecting going into it. And James Wan's gonna have a fun time with this and it sounds like that's what we're getting is just kind of like a my it's going to be probably two hour two plus hours of mindless entertainment with cool visual effects and a very like shallow story um and i think i'll take it like True. i yes. don't I, I still don't know like how sold i am on it but i feel like at this point 
I'll go, I'll actually end up going and seeing it in theaters versus like mm-hmm. my uh, boycott of Venom <laughs> that did, did absolutely nothing for yeah. the fact that <laughs> it grossed over $100 million this year. My principled stance against Venom didn't actually, our, me and Chris's principled stance against Venom didn't end up making that big of a dent in their box office returns. Principles don't always make a difference, but they're your principles and, you know... Right? Not, oh my god! Exactly. Can't get. Wow. I can buy him. Wow. Wisdom. <laughs> you all take that out into the world. This week. They are your principles, and that is okay. If no one else follows suit, um, I would like to say this. I think that the word "campy" is intriguing because I think that James Wan could totally pull that off and make it good. I think that maybe, like these reactions, are also having to do with the fact that a lot of these other movies were like trying to be so dark and like the world is in turmoil and everything kind of sucks, you know? And I wonder if, if Aquaman is trying to deviate from that, like pretty boldly as some of like these words, you know, and these reviews have described. Um, so maybe it's just so different. And that's why we're reacting with kind of like shock not like disgust, but like yes. this is surprising. Its title card was white and not black, so I think we can tell it's going to be a different movie. We have to remember that we're talking about Aquaman here, who is a character who I can't. There's no a better way to go for an Aquaman movie. You have to make an Aquaman movie. It's going to have to be weird and probably very campy and cartoony, which are words that I'm seeing throughout here. I'm also seeing an image from the movie of what looks like a bunch of blue mermen riding giant sharks. So I feel like it's going to be one of those kinds of movies. Like you're not going to have like a dark series. This isn't Christopher Nolan's Aquaman. This is very unabashedly like a superhero cartoon that just happens to have real people in it instead of being an actual cartoon. I think it's the right idea. And it sounds like against all odds, it sounds like this one is maybe just what DC needed, which is something really, really different. Like you said, Anna, something that just doesn't, look like they're trying to be Marvel, but are really trying to go their own way and figure out a different type of superhero movie. And if it's Aquaman, then then like Chris said, I was not sure I was going to see this one in theaters, but this has moved me into definitely probably will. I'm curious if this will end up setting the tone for how the DC extended mm-hmm. universe ends up moving forward, uh, especially with characters like Ezra Miller's Flash, if they end up sticking with that. Yeah, I think that like they have some character like some cast members that they can like really lean into this like like sillier kind of style i'd be curious to see if like see what happens after this especially like i mean we're talking shazam kind of fits this mold like it kind of looks like it's going to fit this mold of like this brighter more fun uh comic book movie so yeah i'm interested to see like I, th- I think for the first time in a bit, I'm really interested to see what DC ends up doing uh, with their cinematic universe moving forward. And this is a long ways from being like a daisy fresh observation, but I think it is really notable that DC's so far only success, Wonder Woman, and now what looks like it could at least be critically a not total miss <laughs> in Aquaman, their two first wins come from the sort of movies that they should have been doing all along, which are the the solo, self-contained, help us get to know these characters a little bit, let us learn to care about them before you throw them into a Justice League movie or a Batman v Superman movie or a Suicide Squad movie. 
which were just too big and too overstuffed for any of the character beats to really land. And I'm a little surprised that it took them uh, coming up on 10 years to figure out how to how to do that. But I'm glad that they have. And I hope that this can sort of, maybe this can kind of right the ship. They, they can keep on turning out smaller movies and then give a movie like Justice League another go in a few years after they've built a little more, some, some fan goodwill back with successful it's not smaller because this movie does not look small, whatever else it is, but at least more contained and narrow focused movies. And then movies that I would say do not look like they have a narrow scope at all is the other big December release, which is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which as a, as a comic book fan who pretty much knows what's going on with the general vague idea of a Spider-Verse, I still have a really hard time explaining to people what the, like what the hook here is like what there's a lot of different Spider-Men from different realities who are teaming up as one spider. Like this is a really tough movie concept to sell, which is why I was really skeptical about the idea of trying it out of the gates. But we got those first batch of reactions back too. And some people are calling it the best superhero movie of the year so far. And in a year they gave us black Panther and infinity war and infinity war (laughs) and venom. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but the reviews about spider-verse people are seem like they're having a hard time talking finding a word good enough for how much they liked it i'm I'm super excited for this like i it's really cool just to see like people like just excited about it from you know just even the animation i think like the story aspect is like what i'm really intrigued about uh like some of the emotional reactions that uh, you know, even top film critics have come out and said that they had watching this. It doesn't just apply to these social media personalities who are reacting to this. Like there are actual like um, reviews that are landing on Rotten Tomatoes right now that are from like uh, actual uh, critics. And so, yeah, it's re- it's really cool to see. And and Sony's already come forward, like confirming that there's going to be a uh, a sequel to the movie as well as an all female spinoff. I think that that's telling of like how the early reactions. And so like Sony's had two home runs this year with this like Spider-Man universe without having the Spider-Man. So yeah, it's really cool. I feel like if Marvel and Sony really wanted to gauge how the general audience would respond to Miles Morales uh, as a lead Spidey, this is a really good way to do it. And I, I feel like we could easily end up seeing like the MCU's Spidey storyline uh, play out, like with what happened in the Ultimate Spider-Man comics, uh, and introduce Miles down the line. Yeah, I'm really excited, just like what this could actually end up meaning for for the Spider-Man like universe as a whole. The animation looks very, very impressive. I've been excited about that from the jump. And obviously, uh, Lord and Miller, the directors here, have built up a lot of goodwill. But what I'm really excited to see is how much is the word that I keep seeing in these reactions is how much heart that that this has. Because I know that's such a it's such a key part of Spider-Man, the the emotion behind him, the the earnestness that both Peter Parker and Miles Morales have uh, that they bring to the the character. and the idea that that Spider-Man isn't just a, a mask that you wear, a power set that you have, but something that you really believe in and, and something that's important to you. And we've definitely gotten a lot of humor from the trailers. Nothing that I've seen in this movie has made me doubt that it would look good. Uh, so th- this is reassuring, but not quite that surprising. But I am really, really glad to hear that it sounds like this is going to be a very fulfilling emotional arc in addition to just being something that's spectacular to look at. I honestly didn't know that Phil Lord was writing it until 
pretty recently, <laughs> but I love 21 Jump Street. And um, I don't think I've ever laughed so hard as I did when I watched those movies. Uh, but what, what, what makes them really good, though, is they also have heart in them, which I think just makes for like a really well-rounded film. And also, my kids, we watched the trailer before um, for Into the Spider-Verse before uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Um, aired and th- my kids loved it like they were cracking up my son is so excited to see it so I think it's a win too because I feel like it's been a while since an animated superhero movie came out like a good one well there was the Batman Ninja one that came out but Teen I- Titans Go this year okay oh, yes. yeah well Teen Titans Go The Incredibles if you count The Incredibles then we had that one yeah Teen Titans obviously was, <laughs> was pretty huge I haven't seen that yet but I know it did yeah. really well but I, I was more thinking like smaller scale um because it's been a while since something came out so i I was kind of surprised that they were choosing a theatrical release for this movie when i first heard of it but like they they poured some major talent into it i'm pretty excited the hardest thing about this would be the pitch i think of okay there's two spider-mans and only one of them is peter parker and maybe there's no there's more there's multiple spider men and spider women and um that could be very confusing, but that's not something that anybody's brought up so far in any of their reviews. And it's a, Miles is a great character, and it, it's it'd be easy to leave him on the sidelines because Peter Parker is obviously much more well known. But Miles brings such an important element to not just the Spider-Man myth, but also to the Marvel Comics one altogether. Uh, and if this movie can give him and Spider Gwen and uh, I guess Spider Ham too, who's going to be there as well, it's a really really exciting way to build out. Because I know that Spider Man has become his own kind of mini universe in the midst of the Marvel universe, and it's cool that Sony's found a way to tap into that by making something that's animated that can bring. It, it's been a while. I would think Hannah and I know Ryan has expressed this since there was a superhero movie that you knew you could take your kids to. Yeah, I know it, ha- it. It has been a while. I feel like since there's been kid appropriate comic book movies and shows out. And there's, there's been some, you know, obviously there's some animated ones on Disney XD. We'll talk about that later probably. But I feel like in terms of like really intriguing my children and like it actually being, I don't know, funny in a relevant way to them. Not like when they're just kind of in the background watching Black Panther and my son thinks it's like the coolest thing Mm -hmm. ever, you know, like what are the things that are going to be like, that are going to introduce them to these characters and get them really excited. And I feel like it's been a while since my kids have seen something like that. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked. Especially since there's been so many of these that have been very explicitly for adults, uh, like Venom and, and Deadpool, are really uh, very much geared towards people who grew up with these comics and are now all the way grown up and can go see an R-rated movie. And uh, that's fine. But I think as I've expressed before, I think that this genre loses something important when you when kids aren't allowed to, to consume it anymore, when kids are excluded from the audience. And so leaning back into that and creating new fans and bringing in new people who will go buy comics and keep the genre alive for another few decades, I think that's really important. And I hope this is the one to do it. It sounds like it very well could be the one that makes a lot of money. Speaking of making a lot of money, <laughs> uh, we're good at this. We're good at uh, recording podcasts right before big news breaks. And I guess there's like big news maybe impending right now. There's been rumors about the inf- about the Avengers 4 trailer dropping for like the past week. There is a rumor. We're recording this on Wednesday, November 28th. 
Um, there is a rumor that it could drop later tonight since the Rousseau's are, they're, they're hosting a screening in Los Angeles of, uh, of infinity war. And there are some people saying that maybe they could after, at the end of the screening, drop the Avengers four trailer. That would be given the fact that we're recording this night. I would say that seems very possible since we're very good at recording things right before big news drops, but we really don't know. It could be tonight or it could be another week. It's been funny to watch the fandom of just kind of like online, just lose their minds. It's almost worse than it was last year when people were anticipating the infinity war trailer and anything like they've been way more secretive and like cards to their chest this time around. Um, which I mean, it's, it is fun, but man, like, I'm like, I'm even feeling it of just like refreshing Reddit subs, like going to like certain, you know, Twitter profiles that like might have it like before anything else. It's gotten to the point where all my notifications for all Marvel accounts are turned on. So <laughs> anything that gets posted, I'll like, I'll get it. Does it push to your phone? Yeah. 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 When the Infinity War tickets went on sale, I did the same thing. And like, my phone just exploded with like uh, with different like trailer goes up tickets on sale all this like all these different notifications, um, but I mean you got to do it sometimes. Man, you can't buy that kind of loyalty. Chris is making us look bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, Chris was. I remember when it when it, uh, Infinity War tra- uh, tickets went on sale. Chris texted me like at seven in the morning saying they're going on sale sometime today. Do you want me to get you some? And I trusted Chris with like, because I knew that he would be there. Like at, if they went on sale at eight, Chris would be there at seven fifty nine, ready to rock and roll. And he was. We had great seats. The best. You're principled and you're loyal. I appreciate that, I mean, Chris. So we like, <laughs> they're keeping this on a really tight because even the people who I usually follow on on like Twitter and Reddit who seem like they have some inside sources at Marvel who give them a few hints, nobody's saying anything. So it must be on a. I don't know who knows, but whoever does, they're, they're not telling many people, and uh, and I have no idea when this thing is gonna drop. I don't even know any rumors other than one that we heard that it might be later tonight. And that seems to be based mostly off of just conjecture, not any actual evidence. So we probably shouldn't like stay up all night waiting is what you're saying. I would say, I mean, Chris might. That's true. <laughs> I probably will. I probably will not. But uh, I'm. But I do have Twitter open in the background right now. So if something does pop while we're recording, which would be exciting, then we can do We can all watch it together like a family. We need a good reaction episode. I've kind of thought about that. I, I don't know if anybody would really care about an audio reaction episode, <laughs> but I guess we could come like fresh off of a trailer episode. I don't. I don't really think that people would be listening to like just the like us listening to the trailer and us being like little ooh. Oh, I probably like the least <laughs> appealing. Not. Yeah, probably the least appealing media online for me is just like people overreacting just to, uh, like for reaction videos. So yeah, I'd like to not pollute the. Uh, podcast with that i'm kind of a sucker for reaction videos i think the youtube videos i I watch those a lot i think they're really charming it makes me feel like really it makes me feel happy to see other people be happy even if it's like put on if it's fake you're cheap yeah that's (laughs) i guess it's super sentimental i admit it i admit it but i but it's like it's like my comfort food it's like you go you can just watch somebody who seem very delighted and entertained you don't get to see people i don't get to see people do that very often in my own life since nobody's super excited when i'm around but when you're watching these even if it's for a movie i don't really care about seeing other people get excited about it makes me happy man so sue me we've gotten like unbelievably dark insight into your life right now dark at all it's like a really it's like a really good thing i'll later on we're not gonna do on the podcast i'll show you some of my favorite trailer reaction videos and i have a tab 
where I keep them all. And I think that I think I'll win you all over. Hey, when you when you walked into my house tonight, I got I lit up. I was excited to see you. <laughs> That's true. You were excited to see me, and I, I appreciate that. And I'm going to return the favor by showing you some great trailer reaction videos that I think will also that will make your face light up, and you'll be delighted to see it. <laughs> I think that what Chris, the point Chris is trying to make is that the fact that you have bookmarked videos saved, it makes people think that maybe you're trying to fill a void in your life. <laughs> well, I can't speak to that. I can just tell you that if there is a void in my life, it's filling it so well that I don't even notice that it's there anymore. It's purely delightful. Uh, and with that, I think that's probably as good as good a transition to Squirrel Girl as we really get. Well, wait a minute. I, I actually have something. Oh, okay. um, before we go to Squirrel Girl, and this is less news, more. I have a question for you and for our listeners. So, I would first of all like to know who has actually been using the DC Universe app. Do you like it? Do you not like it? I haven't been using it, so I can't really speak to it. Also have not been using it. I signed up for a membership and I thought, well, I'm going to, I mostly wanted to try it for the comic catalog, which we brought up the last time we were reading Hawkman and it was really unhelpful in that moment. So, um, but I was looking up the stuff today for um, the Into the Spider-Verse reviews and reactions and i came across an article about titans which is the show that right now is just on the dc universe and it was implying that it's the best dc tv show now i'm not really sure that's saying much but i was surprised by it and i was reading the article and um basically comparing it mostly to the cw Arrowverse shows uh, which None of us really watch anymore. I think a few of us watched it in their freshman, sophomore seasons. And then we sure. kind of fell off, right? Okay. I guess I did. No, t- you're, you're forgetting about Tyler. <laughs> I, I, I still do. It's not every week. It's not every week. But when I've got a night to myself and, and like Liz, my wife is out, then yeah, I'll turn I'll catch up on it. Still. I thought it was just the newer show. Which one that came out last? Legends. Legends. Legends of Tomorrow. So no, well, it, that's it's because it's a great show. Well, yeah, sure, but <laughs> you so you you watch Arrow and and the Flash. Too? I, I would say occasionally. I like okay. I like dip into it again, like a guilty pleasure. Like like sometimes I'll occasionally, sometimes. But I am intrigued by what you're. I'm intrigued by where you're going with this. Yeah, so I'm out of that world. You're in it. So how have the Arrow, Flash, uh, and Legends of Tomorrow seasons been? Like the last two. What would you say? Like- uh, I would say Arrow is, is kind of like found a little bit of a groove again after being very off for a couple of seasons. It's not great, but it, it's consistently entertaining. Legends of Tomorrow, I still think is just the most bonkers show on TV. And I, I do enjoy watching it quite a bit. Flash, I don't watch. And, uh, and Supergirl, I like kind of intermittently. Okay. Well... I feel like that was good to just put out there since I don't watch them and Chris doesn't watch them. And now I know that you watch most of those shows, <laughs> which do. is nothing to be ashamed of, by the way. I just, no, I don't, good, I don't have not. the time. Um, so y'all are trying to shame me for my, for my media consumption in 2018, but, <laughs> but we haven't really, I'm not dig- I don't accept no, it. You, you shouldn't. <laughs> Even when we grief you. Um, but I, we haven't really talked about Titans. None of us have watched it. And right. Um, I was surprised because on Metacritic it has a 55. That was higher than I thought it was going to be because I when we when it like when the <laughs> when the trailers were first coming out like we had a good laugh 
at what people were saying about it. Like, cause the joke was kind of that DC is finally giving us like a dark gritty, like show just for adults. And we were like, haha, <laughs> you know, anyway, it was just, it just seemed like the same old, same old. Anyway, I'm reading an article. It's telling me it's good. And I've I would like- read other articles that said the same thing, Hannah. I think that there is sort of a feeling out there that it's a pretty good show, which really surprises me because we talked about how much we hated the trailer a lot on this podcast. I don't know for sure because I don't have DC Universe. You're the only person who can tell us. I Oh, man. Okay. The pressure's on. All right. I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm not sure how far I'll get into it, but I am going to give it a shot because I, I must know. Because we were we were we were pretty merciless on it. If you guys dive in and give it an episode or two, I would love for you to get come back with a review because if it's good, I'll get the DC Universe subscription. I'll do it. I would lo- I would love to support the good people at DC Comics if they're making good things. So I'll try it. I just nothing about the trailer made me think this is something I want to give my money to. Right. And that's what I thought. But I apparently I'm I'm I might be wrong. We might have been wrong. How's the comic selection? Well, I haven't like done like a deep dive into it yet. So let me get back to you so I can actually give you. You've got a lot going on. Don't I? But listen, I, I, I need to give, I feel like a, a more thorough review of my experience on there. It was just initially I was like, oh, wow. You know, this isn't as broad as I was hoping it was going to be. Um, but I'll get back to you guys about that. You may have to come back with like a full DC universe, comic books, TV shows, extra swag review uh, in the coming weeks here. but. We won't want want the pressure on tonight. Um, But thanks for the update. I am intrigued. I'm more intrigued than I thought I'd be by DC Universe since people seem to be enjoying at least the Titans show. And uh, I am interested in the Swamp Thing show they're putting together too. So they may get my money at some point. Well, apparently I've I've heard that the Titans show is going to come to Netflix at some point. Um, Oh, really? So you might want to wait. I don't know how long that's going to be. But anyway, I would love to hear from any of our listeners who have seen any of the episodes yet. Like if you tweeted us and let us know what you think, since we were pretty, we were pretty, we were pretty rough on it. So change our mind if, if it needs to be changed. If anybody's watched it and has a review, then then get in touch with us over Twitter uh, at Cape Town Pod, and we'd love to bring you on to talk about your review about the show a little bit. Convince us that we should watch it or convince us why we shouldn't. I'm good either way. With that, I think we can move on to Squirrel Girl. And I do actually wanted to start off with you, uh, Hannah, to talk about Squirrel Girl. That's okay. I know you just finished up your big DC Universe pitch. (laughs) That's okay. So we're talking about Squirrel Girl this week. Squirrel Girl is a character who's been around since about 1990, 1991, but has only in the past maybe four or five years really found a a following and a very significant following. She's become extremely popular and her, her solo title by Ryan North, the unbeatable Squirrel Girl, is one of the most reliable bets at Marvel right now. Hannah, this was your idea to do Squirrel Girl. You asked for this one, this character particularly. What was the what was your motivation for this? Well, I saw that they were doing that new show on Disney XD, Marvel Rising. I think it was like a mini series, and they had like a movie that went with it. And um, big fan of Miss Marvel with Kamala, and I thought that that was just, that was a huge, I feel like, cultural boom when, when she came out. And so when I saw that that show was going to star her and Doreen, who is Squirrel Girl, I was really excited, but I, I don't know much about her because she's really only had, you know, a solo run recently. But, you know, she's an intriguing character just from the look of her because she does not fit the mold of, like, any other Marvel superhero 
female character right. um, aside from Kamala. So I, that, that is stuff like we need to, we should explore this. And, and obviously I've heard good, really good things about Ryan North's uh, unbeatable squirrel girl, which has proven to be so much fun to read. So I, I kind of felt like it was, it's time we pay like a little more attention to a character that is not in the spotlight, you know, not like a Thor or an Iron Man. Um, and definitely geared towards, I would say, a younger audience as well. I think that if you look at the last um, maybe decade, maybe two decades of Marvel, of new Marvel introductions, Marvel brand new characters that Marvel's created, probably the biggest success has been Miles Morales, uh, Spider-Man, and Kamala, Miss Marvel. Uh, But then I would probably put Squirrel Girl right beneath that, just in terms of her she doesn't have quite as big a following and she hasn't been unlike those characters. She hasn't been an Avenger. She hasn't been any of the X-Men titles, but she has a cult following that's very, very devoted to her. And I think it's mostly by virtue of how good Ryan North's writing is on the, on the series, which is that what you guys both read this uh, and prep for this? Did you read Ryan North's series? Yeah. I think my first introduction with her was the uh, new Avengers. Bendis's new Avengers. Yeah, sure. Which she's a kind of a side character in, right? Yeah, yeah. She her role was the babysitter of Luke Cage and Jessica Jones' child. So that was my first introduction, and I thought it was incredibly silly. I think most people's first thought when they are introduced to Squirrel Girl is that it has to be a joke, um, and it kind of was. Like even for like when I was reading up on her character, like it kind of it felt that way for Will Murray and Steve Ditko, who um, like Will wanted to make a character that was just lighthearted and distance. It was like distancing itself uh, from the more serious and dramatic tones of superhero books. I think you had mentioned like she was introduced in 91, which was like right at the beginning of when like comic books for DC and Marvel just really started going off the deep end. And then you had like this one character that they just like kind of wanted to like, be yeah truly be a little more lighthearted and i feel like that tradition of lightheartedness lightheartedness has carried itself through the last few decades um and yeah so the like the latest i feel like ryan uh, ryan north's run like is like at its simplest just a super cute and fun book it feels just like an easy sitcom that you can sit through and watch like a season of um i think i had a lot more fun with it than i thought i was gonna i think what Ryan North does really well in Unbeatable Squirrel Girl is it's it's kind of like it's very similar in its in its uh, meta commentary to a book like Deadpool and that there's a lot of deconstruction of tropes. There's a lot of poking fun at some of the excesses of, of Marvel and of superhero comics altogether. But unlike Deadpool, it's done in such a, a, a sweet way for a place of obvious uh, like fondness for these characters and fondness for the tropes that Deadpool doesn't always have. Deadpool comes from a place of of uh, of cynicism and uh, and a lot of snark. And I don't think snark is how I would describe Doreen Green Squirrel Girl's attitude at all. It seems like Ryan North is just having a lot of fun with this character who can kind of also both exist in the superhero world and a little bit outside of it to break the fourth wall and wink at the readers quite a bit. In a way that feels very, uh, it feels very loving. Yeah, I think she's a very earnest character, which qualifies it even more. I feel like for a great introduction for younger readers, not only into a new, like a character like Squirrel Girl, but into comics in general. Like I feel like if someone would have handed me 
the unbeatable squirrel girl when I was in 10th grade, I would have loved it. And I didn't read comics then. So it's very funny. She's got like a sassy personality and also doesn't fit, you know, the typical mold for what a superhero looks like, you know, like they're not, they're not trying to like make her sexy, which is obviously something that, you know, we've talked about lots in the past that, Marvel and DC have both been guilty of is, you know, over-sexualizing female characters and male characters for that matter. Um, so I, in terms, I feel like of, of giving a character that young, you know, girls and boys can, can read into. And I feel like not look at it and be like, Oh, like <laughs> this feels kind of wrong. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, she's just, she's funny and relatable and I am surprised that it took so long for her to get a her own solo run. Twenty fifteen. That's 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 three years ago. It's pretty wild. Based on, and we'll talk about this a little bit in the pre recorded script. It does sound like the her her creative team who put her together really envisioned her as a much more cheerful, light hearted character to contrast against, like you said, Chris, the very dark, uh, generally much too dark tone of, of 1980s Marvel comics. Um, but maybe in, in some ways the readers felt like they kind of overshot their mark a little bit because the character Squirrel Girl looked initially um, so cutesy and, and so ridiculous that it almost seemed like a joke even if that wasn't how it was necessarily intended. And so she was used as a gag for about 20 years. She She was considered a joke. And it took somebody who could blend her sort of like not taking herself too seriously personality very seriously in and of themselves. It it gave her character a lot of respect. And I think that what you said, like having a character, having a female character who isn't sexualized really in any way is very, very rare. I I don't know if I can think of any other character who doesn't have, at least in the the silhouette, in the the very form-fitting like spandex that they wear, which Squirrel Girl doesn't have at all that's pretty unique to her. And I think it's probably, it'd be, you would have to factor that into part of the reason that she's become very popular. There was this weird relationship, like off-screen relationship between her and Wolverine. Yeah. That like got uncovered in New Avengers. And I just remember it like, (laughs) just going like to the point of like, not like sexualizing her. I just remember it being like, just feeling very off and kind of wrong like i feel like any relationship with wolverine's a little wrong but this just it was a really weird decision on bendis's part to do that and and it's been retconned out of existence altogether i don't think anybody even acknowledges that it happened now but uh, at one point there was like it was written it's kind of a gag that her and wolverine had like i don't know there was some sort of relationship that they'd had that but now she's pretty much seen as what being like 16 17 Uh, she's a college student i think she's in college yeah she's she's in college so she's got, she'd be at least 19. Well, they really resist giving her too many romantic overtones in her book. Although she's often around characters who have a, a lot of dating problems, but it feels very normal. It feels very much like a typical, like kind of young, late teens, early 20s drama instead of the very fraught romantic relationships that a lot of these characters have. Yeah, you know, when I was reading it, I was kind of drawing some comparisons to um, the Batgirl of Burnside run that a lot of us read. Yeah, for sure. And because they're both in that same, like, two girls starting off at college. And uh, and they're both good, but very different. Um, And I think it's nice that we're offering different types of characters, different stories for, not just for girls, but for young readers, as you know, 
<laughs> it's just not like, here's a young girl going off to college. She's so excited to meet some guys. Not that that's all of what the Batgirl story was, but it's definitely more mainstream than I feel um, that the, um, the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl is. So I appreciate that we're adding a little more diversity into this. It's good. And I think it's really cool that Squirrel Girl, because it's so often in, in superhero comics and really in any sort of uh, action-centric, sci-fi-centric genre, uh, in television, film, here in comics, for the empowered female character to be really a very one-note, she's a badass and she doesn't care what anybody thinks about her. And characters like, I think of Mad Max Fury Road, uh, I think obviously of movies like Atomic Blonde, and a, a lot of superhero comics feature these characters who are very cool. Like, I understand the the appeal to having a female counterpart to characters like Wolverine who can kind of match him for uh, like sneer for sneer and cuss for cuss and kill for kill. But squirrel girl opens up the palette and the diversity, the not just uh, diversity in terms of what these characters look like, but in terms of what they want to be, like what a hero can look like and what being a good person can look like. You don't have to be a tough loner and squirrel girl isn't she's, she's tough, but she, she has a lot of friends. She's really, she has a lot of career aspirations and, uh, and she's very friendly and winsome. And that feels like an important step forward too, because people need to know, and especially young women who read these comics need to know that there is, uh, there's a lot of different ways to be a really be a hero and squirrel girl is a, a an important version of that that i don't think it was represented before her in a significant way and we will get into a little more of her actual backstory and how she came to be here in the script It was 1977 in Boston, and a University of Massachusetts freshman named Doreen Greeley was sitting in church with a secret. She was sitting next to her friend, maybe platonic, maybe a little more, Will Murray, but that wasn't the only guest she'd brought. At the time, Doreen was employed as a computer expert at the New England Wildlife Center, but she'd picked up a pretty steady side hustle helping the center with their influx of baby rodents, squirrels in particular. Well-meaning folks would bring in baby squirrels they'd found, and Doreen would look after them until they were old enough to be returned to the wild, helping them learn how to climb and eat acorns. That meant constant attention, on and off the job, keeping them with her everywhere she went. Everywhere. Midway through the church service, Will Murray looked over at his friend Doreen and saw a squirrel poking its head out of her jacket pocket. And it was a good thing, too. It sparked an idea. At the time, Will Murray was making a living as a writer for pulps like Doc Savage and Mars Attacks. He was having some success, enough that Marvel Comics reached out and asked if he'd be interested in writing a few stories. He also tutored at the University of Massachusetts, which is where he first spied Doreen, doodling superheroes during a lecture. Since he happened to be writing Iron Man and Punisher at the time, the two struck up a conversation and then a friendship. Today, the two give differing accounts of the nature of that friendship. Murray says that he was engaged at the time, although he admits to thinking that, quote, if I weren't otherwise in a relationship, Doreen might be the girl for me. Doreen recalls it somewhat differently, calling their relationship a, quote, big romance that had its, quotes ups and downs. Whatever the exact nature of their relationship, it certainly had a common love of comics with Doreen, an avowed fan of Daredevil, Batman, and the Hulk. It was a long relationship, too, 
lasting into the 80s and all the way to 1989, when Will Murray was asked to put together a short fill-in story for an issue of Iron Man. He figured this was his chance to try something he'd been bothered by. Quote, I thought Marvel had turned too dark by the late 80s, he told Sci-Fi. Secondly, I consciously wanted to create a breakout character. His relationship with Doreen still fresh in his mind, he thought back to a little nickname he'd concocted a few years earlier when he saw her tag along Squirrel Pal at church in Boston. Squirrel Girl. At first, Marvel was less than impressed. The story got bumped from Iron Man and dumped into something called Marvel Superheroes. Murray had written the story with an artist named Tom Morgan in mind, but Morgan was uninterested. So Marvel asked Murray if there was another artist he might want. Murray swung for the fences. Steve Ditko. Steve Ditko was by this time growing into the recluse that would define the last several decades of his life, but his legacy was already secured as the co-creator of characters like Doctor Strange, Hawk and Dove, and, of course, Spider-Man. He wasn't on the best terms with Marvel at the time, but to virtually everyone's surprise, he agreed to draw Murray's story, titled The Coming of Squirrel Girl, even though, as Murray would later admit, quote, he was no fan of the character. The story was simple enough, not even really an origin story. Squirrel Girl ambushes Iron Man, hoping to impress him enough to get a gig as a sidekick. Iron Man brushes her off, but is shortly thereafter waylaid by Doctor Doom, who nearly bests him. But then Squirrel Girl saves the day with her ability to talk to squirrels, summoning hundreds of them to attack Doom and ultimately rescuing Iron Man and sending Doom back to Latveria to lick his wounds once more. As stories go, it was appropriately hokey, certainly more indebted to the early, more juvenile antics of Marvel Comics than the grim and gritty late 80s adventures of Cable, Deadpool, and Venom. To hear Murray tell it, Doreen didn't even quite believe him when she was told that he'd created her as a comic book character. The comic was released, but she missed it. Her and Murray fell apart, and Squirrel Girl's existence would remain hidden from her for nearly 25 years. Squirrel Girl would pop in and out of Marvel stories over the next couple decades, generally as sort of a gag, either as a punchline for Deadpool jokes, a member of the Great Lakes Avengers, or later as a super-powered nanny for Luke Cage and Jessica Jones' baby girl. It wasn't until 2014 that comic book writer Ryan North and artist Erica Henderson launched the first Squirrel Girl solo series that the character really came into her own. Doreen is still reading comics, though she'd completely missed any mention of Squirrel Girl as a real character in the ensuing years. But when she started to hear buzz about North's run, she realized that Marvel's new hit character was actually her superhero doppelganger. Lest there be any doubt, Murray had actually dropped a major hint into Squirrel Girl's real name, Doreen Green. Okay, so Squirrel Girl has done very well in the comics, and these days, if there's if you do well in the comics, and that's uh, a jumping off point towards the real spotlight, uh, like a TV show or a movie or something like that, the first. Uh, real foray that Squirrel Girl has gotten into other media has been this Disney XD show, Marvel Rising. I watched the first episode of it. Did you guys watch any of it? Yes, I watched the sh- I watched the short clips for initiation. The short clips. Yes. What'd you think? I loved it. I thought it was great. It was it was really funny. Perfect for kids. I'm I'm not like maybe I would say like a ten year old could watch that and like totally love it. Um, 
it was it was clever and kind of I would say like you know kind of like those Spider-Man animated um, shows we have Avengers I think for kids who like that they'll love this and, and it's got a lot of great female characters in it Chris did you see any of it no I like I, I honestly didn't this wasn't even on my radar even doing like lo- looking into the show uh like scroll uh, scroll roll show notes like i just like had no clue that this thing was even existed so i'll check it out i think it's good i was surprised at how much i like because i think marvel's animation game has not been on par with dc has really run has really run the board um obviously with their classic shows like batman the animated series and justice league they they've have a really strong legacy of great animated shows and that carries through to some animated movies today which aren't quite as good but are still pretty strong and marvel just hasn't really been able to contend with them but i think like you said especially for kids i think this is a great show it, it's i've really i loved at least the the parts of it that i saw and i would go back and, and watch a few more if i had a, a little extra time i think it's cool yeah i was surprised because when i was looking up the reviews for this show i like not that it really matters for a Disney XD show, like, you know, eight year old kids aren't doing that. But I was surprised because the reviews were pretty terrible. Oh, really? Yeah. Like it got like a four, a 4.5 or something like that, which seemed a little disproportionate, I feel like. Um, And and I looked further into it. And I'm like, these are mostly user reviews because I don't think Marvel Rising even has reviews on Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes, which is typically where you see you know, more like aggregated critical reviews. Um, but I'm pretty sure like when I looked at them and I, I, IMDB can kind of break it down. It seemed like a lot of them were men and, and a lot of them were from like, you know, 18 to 49 age range. And so I couldn't help but wonder if there was a bit of gatekeeping happening. Not quite the target market probably. no. <laughs> Like, well, I don't really care what like a forty year old dude thinks of this show, and no, no nor should anyone else. Um, no. <laughs> so that was that was frustrating to see that. I'm surprised. I'm not sure why. I, I, I can't think of a, you know it wasn't like genius level stuff, but it wasn't intended to be. Like this is very much clearly very much for the kids, and I thought it was it worked really well in terms of being a kid. I, I don't know, watch that many. You probably see a lot more cartoons than I do, Hannah. Uh, so I would think you're pretty well versed in what makes and what doesn't make for a good uh, a good show for kids. Yeah, no, I just reading some of the reviews, just I don't know. I think that there's still a, a fair amount of people out there um, who can't handle female led shows, and I think that there's also a, a I think a strange kind of I don't know. There's a bit of a struggle, I think, because people like there's so many adults, obviously us people who are even older than we are who love comics because they've been reading it and they feel kind of like an ownership of it like so I think it's hard when things come out that aren't meant for them because I was even reading some other reviews um you know it was CBR or another website and it was like well it's probably you know I don't know if adults will like it well like it's not meant for you anyway (laughs) like like, review it like you know like a 10 year old girl would um and so I just wanted to say, if you ever go online and you read any of the reviews and you're kind of like, oh, well, I don't know if I want to like waste my time. I honestly enjoyed watching it. I thought it was really great. And anyway, that's my two cents. No, and it does seem like bringing it like the if you have to say watching a kid's show, I don't know if adults are going to like this. When I'm reviewing an adult show, I don't say, I don't know if kids are going to like this. It's such a, it's a very weird metric yeah. to put on a show. And there are there are shows that are aiming for the whole family. 
and that can be kind of tricky, but, but obviously like the Pixar movies and a lot of these Marvel movies, honestly, uh, not so much the DC ones yet, other than maybe, maybe Wonder Woman, but, uh, but I would say Spider-Man Homecoming was trying for a pretty broad audience. And in that case, it's fair to say it, it works for kids and, but not for adults or, or what have you. But, but where a show like Marvel rising, and honestly, even a comic like squirrel girl makes its audience so clear from the jump, like what it's trying to do and who it's trying to appeal to, to say, I don't like this because it doesn't feel like it was meant for me. Well, that should be a sign right there. It probably wasn't meant for you. Exactly. And that's okay. Yeah. Because there's a lot of comic book stuff that are meant for 18 to 49 year old men. Yeah. <laughs> I think we could dial back on it just a little bit. Too much. I'd say. Yes. And I think it's great that this is a show that, is full of fully realized female characters that, um, you know, are relatable. And I don't know. I was, I'm just a little pissed off about it as a, as a woman, as a mother. <laughs> it's frustrating. Do you feel a little better having vent, gotten to vent about it a little bit? <laughs> Definitely. And I'm sorry. Did that help? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That was great. And I think, I don't think I'll find a better way to wrap up than that. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. We do oh, hope you like what you heard. Oh, no, I, no, I think well, that's a great way to end it. I do. I think that ending, um, uh, I think that because we even get this on, on our social media channels sometimes, people who feel like we, we've gotten comments that they think we focus too, on too many female characters. I don't think that's an issue that we have personally, myself, uh, but if you feel that way, then you know, feel free to hit us up again. I just haven't seen, I don't see the ratio being all that bad. So I, I want to make it clear that, that I, I appreciate and, and welcome any call for, for uh, people to be a little more sensitive to the, how important representation is in these things. And with that, I will say thanks for listening, everybody. If you uh, if you like what you heard, and I hope you did, I hope you'll go over to our Apple podcast page and you'll give us a good review. Uh, tell us what you like about the show. Uh, and I hope you'll follow us on our social media channels too. We're at Cape Town Pod on Twitter and on Facebook as well. And we will be back uh, next week. Me and Chris and Hannah, Brian will be back as well, along with Chad Michael, who keeps us sounding good in the ones and twos. And uh, we always want to give out occasional shout out to our friend Ryan Ham, who is usually on this podcast and is always in charge of the music that you hear. Thanks, everybody. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Chris Shunblood. I'm Hannah Mazel. No need for thanks, citizen. We will see you next time.